Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Making Do Restaurant Show, where we believe every restaurateur deserves owning a profitable restaurant that does not own them. And this show, we talk about restaurant marketing, talk about managing your restaurant. We answer your questions and much more. And so if this is your first time here, consider subscribing. Today's a very special episode because it is a Making Do Q&A show where I answer your questions. Hello, Anga, great video. I would definitely be interested in more of your videos and advice. My wife and I also live in Texas and we are in a very beginning stages of owning our own restaurant. I'd love to hear more on the beginning of how you got started leading up to opening day and what you would recommend for us looking to put the dream into actions and what steps to take to properly execute. Thank you. Many of y'all may know that my husband and I, we own a couple restaurants in the San Antonio area. We bought a failing pizzeria in 2014. And in the last five years, we tripled our sales with zero prior restaurant experience. Now that sounds uh, maybe impressive, but also it means it's, it's, it's been intense five years and we've been obsessed with growing our sales. And that started the whole thing with starting this show because I used to get a lot of questions about how we got to do what we get to do. And so here it is. So Lawrence, first to say, well, I'm excited for you and your wife starting this adventure in the restaurant industry. And let me tell you, it's going to be hard, but it'll be well worth it if you're passionate about food and serving people. We did not know what on earth we were doing when we bought our restaurant. So here I'm going to tell you five tips that if I could go back in time and focus on these five things, I think we would have been in a better place maybe or not. So I wanted to share those five points with you. You have got to get obsessed with your numbers. You got to study the numbers. You need to review the numbers. You need to question every single number. If you're purchasing an existing restaurant, they're going to give you a PNL because what you're paying for, unless it's an asset purchase, an asset purchase is that you're just purchasing, you know, the asset, which is the oven or the make line or whatever chairs and tables, if it's going to be an asset purchase. However, if the what you're purchasing is based on the gross sales of the restaurant. And there are a lot of ways that uh, those prices are put out there, but one of the main ways is that they divide the gross sales by 2.5 or something like that. You can look that up. But if you're purchasing a restaurant based on the gross sales, so this is what we did, right? The restaurant we purchased, we bought it for $140,000. And that was based on the PNL we had received saying whatever it was, right? So one of the things that it was that we did not know how to study the PNL. You need to sit down with the owner. You got to sit down with the broker and question every single number. And don't feel bad if you do not know because the owner is going to be like, oh, you're going to buy this restaurant and you don't know what blah, 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 blah is. It doesn't matter. You're going to be coughing over money. You better know every single number you need to, if not look it up before going and sitting down with the owner, study it, research what it indicates, how it's calculated and sit with the owner. I'm sorry to tell you a lot of times some of the PNL are cooked. And I know that's politically incorrect for me to tell or to oh, what it is. So for instance, one of the things you want to know is you need to know the standards in your industry. So what I mean by that is, for instance, for us, we own pizzerias. So our pizzeria recommended rate for different things is that the rent needs to be about seven to 8%. And your food and labor needs to be less than 60%, which is your big prime costs that are two variable costs that are very important, your food and your labor. So one of the things, again, that was happening is that our payroll was 
awfully a low number. I mean, we did not know what's low, we did not know what's high, but it's because the owner was paying people cash, not declaring those sales, so not paying proper sales tax on those numbers and all of that jazz. So uh, we did not know what questions to ask. It is, again, you need to know the standards that are for whatever, you're gonna open a burger joint, is it a barbecue joint? You need to know the standards that are that is classic for that, what you're going to do and match that to the PNL that you've been given to make sure they do match. Question every single number. And that is my first tip. The second tip I have for you is to negotiate everything. In the beginning, when you start, you feel like, you know, no one's going to um, give me grace or give me time to pay for different stuff. You feel like you're not entitled to negotiate because you're just starting. And you need to view that exactly the opposite. Because you're starting out, ask for grace. Say, hey, how about I, you know, pay this, you know, like, hypothetically, even if it's at and I don't care what your vendors, your rent, ask for grace. Say, hey, can I have one month that I don't pay rent, you know, or the first month of rate, would you all pay, charge me 50% off. And then from the following month, I pay full price. Negotiate and see what you can get. Always negotiate further out and then work your way back. Do you know what I mean? watch some YouTube videos or different stuff about how to negotiate it, but you got to negotiate your lease. You got to negotiate with your vendors, your food vendor. If you want to go the prime vendor route, you need to say, Hey, listen, this is a startup. You know, you're going to benefit if I'm going to continue to be in business. Is that correct? Fantastic. Then why don't you help me out for the next three months, lower your rate to this, give me some grace so I can get my feet on the ground and get going. Within three months, I'll be back up. You know, we're very passionate about this restaurant. We know it's gonna be successful and I wanna work with you long-term and this is gonna be a long-term business relationship. Ask for grace and negotiate everything. Step number three onto the everything zone is to document everything. In the beginning, you're gonna be entering this chaos zone where you know people call you for different things. You make a promise for different, you, you know, you're gonna forget document everything. You sat with somebody, they told you, oh, they're going to agree to do this or that. It was a vendor. It was a credit card processing rep you spoke with. What did you know? Always have a pen and paper with you when you're meeting with people, vendors, when they're making promise, you write it down always the date of the meeting, the time of the meeting, their person's name, their contact information, their business card, you can staple to your notes or whatever, but document everything. So you're able to go back. Hey, do you remember on the day this at this time, you told me this or whatever, ideally. Anyway, so you got to document everything and get in the habit. Then later when you, with your staff, you need to document everything. Every time you coach a team member, you got to document everything. Um, Overall, just document everything. You know what I'm saying? It's just the fact it is because there's going to be so many moving parts you're going to forget. Now, when it comes to documenting, obviously you can use a classic pen and paper or something or a notebook you have, or you can use a logbook feature uh, that many softwares do offer. So for instance, we use scheduling softwares, you know, like if you use hot schedules or seven shifts, they're going to have a logbook feature where you can log things. And we do religiously use the logbook daily. We do, our managers do, document everything. Tip number three that I have for you is to expect that you're going to make mistakes, expect that equipment is going to break down, expect that you're not going to make much money because what happens is stress and disappointment happens when you expect this and, and this happens. And then there is this gap results in this huge stress. 
I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, for instance, in the first year, and we made no money, obviously, because rent was really high. We did not know gross sales was low. And so we, we made no profit that first year. Now, what happened is, for instance, this one time, one of our make lines broke because our equipment, the restaurant we bought, we did not know the equipment in what condition they are that we're buying. So make line broke down. Uh, we call this company to come and fix it. And I remember vividly because we had this large catering order. So these two guys come over to fix the make line in the middle of the shift and we have everything out on the fridge and it was huge chaos because we had this big catering and all the food is on the main fridge instead of on the make line and all that shenanigans. These guys worked for two hours and gave my husband a, a, an invoice for $750 and they were unable to fix the make line. Did, did you hear me? So they worked two hours on that fridge they could not fix it, and we still had to pay them $750. And I'm working 100 hours a week and making zero profit. I tell you, that hurt, but that is the cost of this. Now, if I expected it, now from now on, I know that always when the technicians come out, whether it's to check our AC or it's a plumber, they charge for the trip $150. We've had people come out, check, like, for instance, we had a meat slicer. For the guy, you know, there's an automation thing with the meat slicer to whatever. He came over, we had to pay $150 for, for his highness to come over and check and be like, oh, it would be $4,000 if we were to replace this and this and this. So we're like, well, no, this, this quote, we're not interested in. And we still had to pay this gentleman $150 for him to come out. And those things can be very, very stressful in a very unhealthy way when you're not making money. So I'm telling you, expect that you're not going to make money. Expect that equipment is going to break down. It is going to be what it's going to be. I'm just being honest with you. So that's why you need to go into it with that expectation. Know what is going to be for the first year till you can get this going. It is going to take a village an enormous amount of work to make a business successful. And I'm just being honest with you. So expect the unexpected so it will be less stressful for you. So the tip number four I have for you, which has been the secret to our success, is being obsessed with growing your sales. You're going to be obsessed with growing your sales when the sales is not good. And you're going to continue to be obsessed with sales when sales is good. Because the way it works in the restaurant is whatever you do, um, whatever you do today to grow your sale, whatever activity you do to, to market your restaurant is not going to surface up. You won't see the results in four to six weeks. So we go through this season where sales is really good and you, you slow down on your marketing because you think that, oh, well, sales is really good. Listen, you do the marketing today, those sales is good for the next four to six weeks. And that's going to make you having sustained level of sales. That is so important. You're going to have so many problems in the restaurant. People are going to quit. I told you equipment is going to break down. But if sales is good, I, I, I'm telling you this, if sales is good, at least you have this one thing you can hang on to. Listen, customers are happy with our food and sales is good. We will figure everything else because staff quit. You can pay more. You can hire more people. Equipment breaks. You just buy another one. You pay a handyman to come fix it. You just get over it. But if sales is not good, really nothing else makes sense. So be obsessed with growing your sales from day one. And if you have not already, please go to our website or click on the link below we have in the description to download my 52 ways to growing your restaurant sales. 52 ways because it corresponds to 52 weeks because I believe every single week you need to be sowing seeds to grow your sales. You're doing different things and, and all of them will work together. Some of the 
activities you do for your marketing is like, you know, a bunch of the trees you have over here that the crop they give is like 50 pounds a year. You're going to do these different activities that are going to give you 100 pounds a year in crops, you know, as a farmer. But you got to do them all because at the end, if you want to have plenty of harvest and, and have good sales that steady grows. You know, one of my goals for you is, you know, on this on the show is to help you grow your sales two digits or more as in 10 percent or more every single month, month to month. That, that has been our strategy, how we've tripled our sales because we just focus on 10% or more every single month in sales growth. So if you don't have your guide yet, go download it, print it, put it in your office and put it in action one thing every single week. The last tip I have for you, which my husband and I failed to do, is to go work at another restaurant. Maybe you have had years of restaurant experience or not. Our case, we had zero. We never worked at a dishwasher, as a server, nothing at all. We never worked at a restaurant. And I, I would say that's really unwise. So we had to learn a lot of things the hard way because of that. So if you have the opportunity, I wanted to suggest to take six months and slow down on your what you had in mind and go work at a whatever restaurant it is that you know is it a burger you were thinking of opening is it good what is it going to be go and work at a restaurant like that and get to know the owners because you're like well i've worked at a restaurant for so many years and this is a challenge that happens because you think that oh you're hypothetically the cook at a restaurant and and you think that now it is going to qualify you to run a restaurant properly because you think oh the owner doesn't really know much i'm not saying that's you but you know i'm saying that sometimes the mindset people have know that it takes a totally different set of skills to run a business being a businessman versus being a chef or a server these are different set of skills a business man or a business woman has got to know marketing hr finances you know there's a lot of moving parts food production customer service you know systems there's a lot of things that you need to master as a restaurant owner so if you have worked at a restaurant for years if i were you i would build closer relationship with the owner uh, of the restaurant you're working at, figure out what are the issues he's dealing with and just learn as much as you can from another restaurant owner. I, again, my advice is that if you can save thousands of dollars and loads of stress and headache by slowing down six months and in the meantime, build up your savings to go into and starting your own adventure, that's what I would do. So um, it's your call. I'd be happy to learn more about you guys' progress as you're opening uh, your restaurant and your journey, if there's any way I can help you guys out, be sure to let me know. Again, if this is your first time uh, watching or listening to our show on the podcast or you're on YouTube, be sure to subscribe so we can stay in touch. If you have any questions you would like us to cover in the future here at Making Dough Show, be sure to go to our website at makingdoughshow.com. Just scroll down on the main page. There's a section where you can submit your question. Would you like me to review your website, your social media? If there's any questions you have of any kind, I'd be happy to do my best to help you. And uh, in the meantime, let's get back to work and make some dough. Thank you. Bye-bye.